It is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back with you for another day and a good show coming up, I do believe. Um, ben Feldman from um, the Minnesota Windchill of the uh, American Ultimate Disc League. Those uh, those champ That championship weekend will be at TCO Stadium in Egan starting Friday. Those are the semifinals. <clears throat> and the Minnesota Windchill are in the semifinals, having their most successful season in their uh, roughly decade-long existence. And they're hoping to make it to the championship game on Saturday. Uh, more than just that, though, just a, t- a chance to showcase um, Ultimate Disc. It, the, the whole weekend, the whole event is at TCO Stadium in Egan out of the Vikings facility. A lot of other um, activities built around it. If you're curious what Ultimate Disc is, uh, uh, Ben Feldman will help catch you up to speed on what it's all about, what the windchill are all about, and things like that. So that will be coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, links stuff at the end of the show and a, another Twins game to get to here. First, though, what did I miss? You know, I debated whether to whether to go there today on this subject because I wanted to make sure that it was viable, that it wasn't just, you know, player X is available, so let's talk about player X and whether that player could be on a Minnesota team. And we do this kind of, you know, we do this a lot. Someone gets traded, someone or someone is available to be traded or someone becomes a free agent and all of a sudden it's like, "Ooh, could they come play for the Vikings or the Wild or the Timberwolves?" Um when when really there's no uh it's not connected to reality anyway. There's not a chance that that would ever happen. So I wanted to make sure that this was at least a realistic proposition that I could see this fitting that I could, you know, talk to some people that I trust that that know more about um that know more about the Vikings before I got into this but I want to get into the notion of Trey Lance coming to the Vikings because I do think it's at least a viable option Trey Lance the former uh, Marshall Minnesota standout quarterback played at North Dakota State the number 3 overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft quarterback with the 49ers and it's not been a great two and a half years for Trey Lance he's had injury problems anytime he's had an opportunity to jump into the starting lineup and 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 take control of that team injuries have derailed him and the 49ers of course gave up a bunch to get him they gave up like three first round picks to move up nine spots to take Lance number three overall in 2021 and I believe they gave up another high pick as well like a third round pick that year as well so they have, you know, a lot invested in him, but Brock Purdy, uh, mystery relevant in the 2022 draft, <clears throat> the last pick in that draft, played very well in, in the wake of injuries to Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo last season with the 49ers, took them all the way to the NFC title game. He got hurt, but now is healthy. He is being deemed now their starter this year and their quarterback of the foreseeable future. Um, they've already got uh, they've and they on uh, on Wednesday the 49ers said that uh, also former um, number three overall pick Sam Darnold he was the number three pick in the 2018 draft he will be the backup for the 49ers this year so suddenly Trey Lance relegated to at least third string where last year he was uh, the starter at the beginning of the season so he's fallen fast in that organization now they're saying they don't necessarily have to trade him but you can look at this the writing is on the wall he's got this year and next year left on his rookie contract he's not rising on the depth chart he's still kind of in this place where he's only made four career starts so he's still got potential but you've also seen the tape and he has not 
advanced in these two years super far, at least not enough to even be the backup this year. So he is almost certainly going to be available in a trade, and I don't think it would take a whole lot to acquire him. Maybe a middle middle pick in the draft, like a fourth or fifth round pick. I don't know exactly what it would take, what the 49ers want. At this point, they're going to have to cut their losses. It's a sunk cost for what they gave up to get him in the first place. So who might be a good destination for Trey Lance? Well, it's probably not a team that needs a quarterback to start right now. I don't think Trey Lance has shown that he's quite ready to be a starter right now. He's had too many injuries. He hasn't quite looked the part yet. So it's someone, it's a team that maybe can offer him a little bit of a reset, a little bit of a learning year, and maybe a team that has a future potential quarterback need. Ding, ding, ding. I am talking about some other teams, but I'm definitely talking about the Minnesota Vikings. Look at their situation. Kirk Cousins under contract for this season and no more beyond this season. If you want Trey Lance to be your quarterback in 2024, or at least have the potential for Trey Lance to be your starting quarterback in 2024 when he is still on that final year of his rookie deal, you could make that happen right now for a relatively low cost. Now, I'll get to his salary cap number in a bit. It's a little bit dicey in terms of a backup quarterback or certainly a third-string quarterback. You'd have to be willing to carry a a decent amount of money, at least for those for that kind of that kind of player in the near term. But if you wanted a chance to have a mobile um, young quarterback, and you didn't have to give up a ton of draft capital, you didn't have to go all the way up to the top of the draft, make a huge swing like the 49ers did two years ago, you could have Trey Lance probably relatively soon and relatively cheaply to be Kirk Cousins, at least to push Kirk to to push this as a possibility for the 2024 season when Kirk Cousins could potentially walk as a free agent. So that's one reason this is enticing. Two, Kevin O'Connell. He is an offensive-minded quarterback. Don't you think Kevin O'Connell would love to have a project to mold someone who he could bring in and say, hey, we're going to make this guy great. Maybe it hasn't been a great start for him, but we are going to make him great. This is someone that we can work around. This is someone who has the talent. He just hasn't had the ability to to fully realize it yet. I mean, obviously the talent is there. <clears throat> There's a reason he was number three overall in that 2021 draft. He just hasn't had the reps yet, didn't get many reps in college, hasn't had a lot of reps yet. Give him more of those reps, get him ready for the future, and that could be your quarterback for the future. And that is an offensive project for Kevin O'Connell. So you can see why, aside from the obvious, he's one of us angle, played at Marshall, Minnesota, is from here. Aside from the obvious, he's one of us angle. There are some enticements. There are some reasons why he would fit with the Vikings. Not as a starter this year, obviously this is Kirk Cousins' team, but maybe in 2024 and beyond. Now, problem of course is this. If he can't even win the backup job in San Francisco, is he really good? Is he really worthy of acquiring and trying to make something out of him? I don't know, especially because salary cap wise, he's gonna cost he would cost the Vikings about, I think, three point seven million dollars this year and a little over five million dollars next year. That's a pretty expensive gamble not like not prohibitive cuz San Francisco still has to carry some of his cap hit but but that's the portion the Vikings have about 3.7 this year a little over 5 next year so if he doesn't work out that's a pretty expensive 
mistake if you end up if he ends up only being like a backup or if you end up saying you know what this just didn't work out I mean, maybe it's worth the gamble i don't know but that's that's something they'd have to carry this year they've got about 10 million in, inv- in available cap space but that's going to go down a little bit once they do cut downs and it's the you know the top of the roster things like that i don't really know where he fits roster wise with the vikings but you got to take the salary cap into consideration you got to take the fact that he could not win even the number two job in san francisco into consideration and he's not been a terribly accurate quarterback over the course of his career. And I think Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings like accurate quarterbacks, guys like Kirk Cousins. They do still like guys who have some mobility, some playmaking ability, extend the play, and that is Trey Lance's game. So just a curiosity point. I, I'm not saying this is imminent. I'm not saying this is something that would definitely happen. But if you thought about this as a possibility like a year ago or something like this when Purdy was emerging. Now you can see how, even though the timing is not perfect, how you didn't have the offseason to work with this quarterback, how the price could be right right now and how the opportunity could be right right now. And if indeed San Francisco decides to cut their losses and trade Trey Lance, I do think the Vikings are at least a possibility as a destination. Twins, meanwhile, lose on a walk-off in Milwaukee. Not a great two-game series for the Twins or their bullpen. Um, Tuesday, they lose when Dylan Floro gives up five runs in the sixth inning. They lose 7-3. This one even more frustrating. They took a 6-3 lead into the sixth inning of this game. Bullpen could not hold it. Emilio Pagan gives up a two-run homer. Caleb Thielbar gives up the tying home run. Twins get one in the 10th to go ahead, but give up two in the bottom of the 10th when uh, <clears throat> tried to squeeze a second inning out of Joan Duran, one of the only relief pitchers you really trust with the Twins right now. They lose 8 seven um just now they got this stretch of games against the rangers and the guardians where if this is going to get out of hand if this is going to get tighter in the al central twins are only four and a half games up now on the guardians cleveland's game against the dodgers was suspended yesterday although the dodgers are ahead in that game tigers did lose yesterday so not all hope is lost this twin's still in really good position but this is the spot we've talked about where this could start to slip away and you're starting to see the cracks in the bullpen they've talked about how they have confidence in the bullpen how the bullpen has done a good job overall this year the bullpen's done an average job by every metric you look at whether it's bullpen era win probability added things like that this has been a very average bullpen this year it's been okay sometimes they get it done sometimes they don't the bullpen is magnified more when they don't do the job than it is glorified when they do do the job but they certainly didn't against Milwaukee and that was you know an opportunity missed not a great way to go into this stretch having to burn through a lot of your best relievers in that game they start that series against Texas right away now so I don't know I'm still I'm still watching this stretch with curiosity with with wondering how they're going to make it through this wondering what their lead's going to be after they get done playing seven against Texas and six against Cleveland. If they come out of this looking pretty good, then I'll breathe a little bit easier on their behalf. But right now, I'm just kind of looking at it and saying, you know what? Nothing has been won yet. You got you to gotta finish this thing off before you start to get any good feeling about talking about the postseason like Royce Lewis was yesterday. I don't think they're ready or should be talking about that just yet. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM.
glad to be joined today by Ben Feldman. Um, before we started recording, Ben, I was asking how I should introduce you because you are a former player for the Minnesota Windchill, ultimate uh, ultimate disc uh, semi-pro team here in Minnesota. You are the head coach, uh, part owner, general manager. Uh, you wear a lot of hats. You have worn a lot of hats. But the most important thing is you are very immersed in this team. And this team's had a lot of success this year heading into now, Ben, the uh, championship weekend, which is in Minnesota out at TCO Performance Center in Egan, out at the big stadium, the Vikings practice facility, you know, many thousands uh, of, of capacity out there. Um, welcome to the show and uh, and how you doing? I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me on. And yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting week for us. Uh, uh, as we were talking about, it's 100 degrees here today. Glad uh, the event isn't uh, quite yet, uh, but um, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. And yeah, we're, the team's really excited. Uh, management owners, everyone's really excited to not only be finally playing in this event for the first time, but also hosting it. So it's been it's been a pretty exciting special week and we're really pumped for Friday night. Before I get to kind of like how this team started, like p- for anybody who's not intimately you know um doesn't know a ton about ultimate tell tell me explain it to explain it to a listener like they have just the vaguest idea of of what ultimate is yeah so ultimate disc ultimate frisbee it's it's not uh some people get confused with frisbee golf or frisbee dogs it's definitely uh, uh not the case it's a it's a seven on seven uh field sport it's played on a football field american football field like the you know vikings and um, uh, essentially how it works is you have seven on seven. Um, when someone has the disc, they can't move. So the way you progress the disc downfield is by catching and stopping and then throwing to your teammate. Um, and the way you score is by catching the disc in the end zone like in football. Um, so it's kind of a combination of soccer, basketball with the pivoting a little bit when you have the disc, and uh, and football obviously by catching a goal or catching a touchdown. So um if the disc is thrown away or batted down by the defense, they, they get the disc and they get to go the other direction. So the point goes on until someone scores and, uh, you know, scores any, anywhere from 15 to 30 points per team is pretty common for a game. You got four quarters, like in football and, um, you know, there's yardage penalties for travel. You can't travel with the disc or pull your pivot foot, like in basketball. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Fast flying, uh, lots of diving around. It's technically non-contact. I'll tell you, there's still a lot of contact um, involved with the game, and um, you know some of the plays. Sports Center top ten uh, dives and crazy catches, jumping out of bounds to catch a disc and throwing it midair back into the playing field. Um, you know, it's a sport that generates some pretty special moments with the floating of the disc in anticipation. So um, that's a little bit of an overview, but uh, um, yeah, it's a uh, for anyone who hasn't checked it out. Uh, this is the premier elite event. I uh, hear that we're hosting, and uh, it's a great opportunity to maybe get your first glance at it if uh, you haven't been to a game before or, or seen it live. And semifinals are sat- uh, Friday, and the championship game will be Saturday. And you are in Minnesota Windshield in the in the semifinals, not just hosting this event, but it has had a very successful season. I'll circle back on that in a minute. But, I, Ben, I want to know, how did you get started playing Ultimate? I think you're a Minnesota native, right? Yeah, so I grew, grew up in the Metro here, um, went to Hopkins High School, and Started playing my sophomore year. Um, got was actually on the bowling team at uh, uh, at the time. And Hopkins, uh, has a bowl- fr- Hopkins has a bowling team. Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, big into bowling in high school. Got a, I finally got my three hundred game post college. Uh, I don't bowl anymore, but uh, 
anyways, that was my, I did track and uh, bowling was more of a fun thing to do, but it got pretty competitive. But anyways, a lot of my, I had a buddy on the team who said, Hey, at camp, they had all played ultimate. And they're like, you got to come out to practice, like check this out. So literally went from bowling practice to my first ultimate practice ever. And um, didn't really know how to throw, couldn't throw a forehand, you know, you got a forehand, a flicker and a backhand couldn't even like, was very new to it and, uh, quickly kind of fell in love with it. Um, so I played my sophomore, junior and senior year of, of high school. There's high school leagues and it's a club sport still, but sure. I mean, the size of where it's at now is crazy. The number of high school teams in the state. And, uh, but I played for three years in high school and, uh, pro- progressed enough. I actually made junior worlds, the, the U19 team, uh, bef- uh, as like during my freshman year of college, I competed on that. And then, uh, was at UW Madison, won two college championships, lost in finals, my, my fifth year. So it was in three finals, uh, in my five years there. And then, um, came back and, you know, club ultimate until pro was around and still is very prevalent club ultimate players play tournaments across the country, Saturday, Sunday, you know, seven games in a weekend. Uh, it's still a prevalent uh, and a lot of our players still play club. Um, but that's kind of like, was the, the competitive grounds for play. But, um, yeah, played there and then had, you know, had an opportunity to get involved the wind chill, um, like through the league, which, um, uh, you know, was a uh, prior ownership. There's kind of transition happening league took over, over the team in 2017 and, um, you know, kind of formed an ownership group with, uh, with Omar and sorry from Surly, who's my business partner. And, uh, yeah, so played owned, managed for a few years there. And then, uh, like I said, I, uh, had a few, few kids started just coach then got into coaching <laughs> right. and, uh, here we are 20, you know, 10 seasons later, uh, with the wind chill, um, you know, our 10th season finally made the final four, which has always been the goal. And, um, yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of the, um, my, uh, my progression from high school all the way into where I am now with the team. And, uh, it's been a heck of a journey and, um, yeah, not wearing the cleats anymore, but still heavily involved in the passion is, uh, is stronger than ever. So who, and what, what's kind of the, uh, who would be a typical player on the wind chill right now in terms of, you know, I know, you know, you have a you have a day job. I'm sure most uh, most or all of these guys either are students or, or have day jobs. So what what's typical for kind of the makeup of this team? Yeah, we have guys. I mean, we have guys. You know, first second year in college who are playing their college season, and then will join us a little bit later on. Uh, you know, as we're a few games into the season because that's obviously conflict in college nationals, but. You know, uh, yeah, full-time job, middle, middle to late twenties is a pretty common, uh, I would say, like I would say is our average, our average age is probably in the mid twenties and we got guys doing tech jobs, landscaping, um, you know, all sorts of different roles and positions. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, to train and carry a 40 hour week job and, uh, you know, it's a lot. So it's impressive what these guys do. The level of competition, athleticism every year in the league is increasing. And, um, uh, yeah, so we got some guys in their uh, mid thirties uh, still competing. Um, but yeah, the fresh out of college, uh, you know, um, full-time job is a very, very typical thing. These guys, we don't, they don't get paid a lot, you know, the benefit relative to club ultimate and traveling around to tournaments on weekends, Saturday, Sunday uh, is everything's paid for travel perks, uh, gear, sponsorship benefits. Um, you know, they get small stipends and some incentives for games, but um, really it's the opportunity they're getting to be streamed, play against the best, play in front of a thousand plus fans, uh, in a, in a game. That's not something they're going to get through their club experience. So it's, uh, it's been pretty special and, um, you know, it's always more fun to compete on a field when you got eyeballs on you and we've been able to offer that. And, uh, and the league is offering that, uh, in a pretty big way year over year, a lot of great growth. So. 
what was what's been the key then to success this year? You guys have won, you know, far more than you've lost. You get to the get to the final four. Like how 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 has the windshield been able to you know become one of the best teams in this league? Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, we've we've been pretty successful the last three, four, five seasons with you know our record uh, each year has been really good. And the last two years, we had the opportunity to make this the division championship game. Um, played against Chicago, had to travel on the road for that game. Um, and had a, suffered a couple heartbreaking losses. The first one two years ago had to leave the entire game until the very end and let it flip out of our grasp, literally in the final minutes of the game. And um, last year just uh, laid a little bit of an egg in the game down in Chicago. Um, we had beat them. You know, they beat us all season. And um, it's, you know, it's always nice. We know if home field advantage is nice. So going into this year, not only hosting the Final Four, um, it was really important to us. You know, we, we got to figure out how to way to get this one seed and host this division championship game because, you know, uh, after going on the road twice, um, we knew how, how much was at stake this year with hosting the event. And so took care of business this year in the division, hosted that game just a few weeks ago and, uh, beat Indianapolis in a, you know, in a pretty, pretty solid convincing fashion, had to lead the most of the game. And, uh, and yeah, so it's, um, I would say the buildup and experience from the last two seasons and that heartbreak, and also just like some veterans on our team haven't been around the block. Uh, all that helps. And we got fresh young talent woven in with that experience. And it's been a fun combination. Um, you know, I, every team in the league has a little bit of rock during consistency throughout the season, whether it's injuries or conflicts, personal life stuff, sure. weddings running the way, you know, we aren't paying these guys enough where we can, the expectation is there and there's enough games where we can make it by with uh, a few absences, but um, had some issues with consistency a little bit on the roster. And it's, you know, come the end of the year here, hopefully, finally have everyone together and um you know we saw that at the division championship game and we're excited to bring that uh, here this week uh, on the biggest field so um we're a little bit of a wild card everyone's putting us as the underdogs we'll take it uh, not not a lot of people are picking us but we have a lot of confidence in our home field advantage and the confidence in our guys to um make some uh make an impact and, and make a splash this friday against salt lake do you have any expectations for the weekend in terms of attendance i know there's a ton of fan stuff around both friday and saturday maybe walk me through kind of like if if you're a fan thinking about going out to this like <clears throat> availability of tickets other things built around this event on friday and saturday yeah so um semifinals are on friday um you know the first semifinal is gonna be at five o'clock gates open at four the tco stadium um parking's gonna be real easy um there so gates open at four and then um uh uh, and then um, our game is at 7.30. So as far as getting to the venue, not a whole lot of pregame stuff happening. The Omni Hotel, there is like a you know, bar, uh, restaurant available there. But um, people will be kind of filling the stadium as we go through that first semi on Friday, I'm sure, coming out of work and things. And then uh, by the time 7.30 hits, you know, we're expecting to have two to 3,000 people uh, in stadium for our game, uh, which, will be, which will be pretty exciting. Um, we got amazing Scott, the balloon artist, comes to all of our games. He'll be there. We got a ton of food trucks, different vendor activations happening in stadium. Uh, we have some Frisbee dogs. Uh, the irony of that, the confusion, but we have some <laughs> Frisbee dogs performing at halftime, uh, which will be pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, we have like a 50-50 mini disc challenge, kind of like uh, at a hockey game, throwing the puck on the ice so you can get it closest to the middle. We got a little bit of game. We're doing that, a fundraiser. So there's a lot of fun things that are going to be happening during during the games uh, and for things and families to do, disc games and yard games on the concourse. So um, lots of opportunity. Um, tickets can be bought um uh the adl um uh, dot com uh you can head there there's ticket links all over the place but um tickets to be bought online h3 and under is free um four to 12 is discounted and then there's adult tickets as well you can either get a weekend pass 
um, weekend pass for adults, I think is 35 and for youth it's 20. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a great time. Uh, and, and then Saturday, uh, there's more events on Saturday, Saturday morning, we got a free youth clinic kids elementary through high school. There's opportunities to come out. For, uh, those sessions are from like, I believe, uh, nine to one. Uh, there's more information on the website there as well, the ticket website. Um, but a bunch of AUDL players and other, uh, you know, uh, great talent from the area, both uh, male and female um, identifying players will be there uh, coaching, which is great. And then um, on Saturday, pregame, kind of a fan fest event will be happening. Surly, Ballman Brewing and a bunch of food vendors and other vendors uh, will be there for like Viking Mike's uh, operates like a community day event. Um, sure. So mixing that within a fan fest. So pregame from like two to two to six, we're going to have that going on. And then there's also a mini disc golf course set up that people can do. It's a ace race. Um, you get three Frisbee golf discs and you get three chances to ace these miniature holes and whoever they're, uh, whoever makes the most aces or hole in ones out of their, you know, on those holes, uh, will be, they have, I think $500 plus in prizes available for that. So a bunch of activities going on Saturday, you can come and go, um, partake in what you're interested in. And then obviously the finals will be at six o'clock on Saturday. Hopefully we're in that game if we take care of business Friday night, but, um, it's a lot of energy. If you haven't been on campus there at Viking lakes, it's pretty yeah. impressive. The hotel there. And, uh, I mean, love vendors all over, but, uh, definitely come check it out. It's a pretty impressive complex with the the big screen and and everything we got DJ generation now who works all the uh, Vikings twins, uh, links games, uh, sorry. Yeah. Vikings, uh, Timberwolves links games. They're gonna be out there DJing on the concourse, uh, DJ mad Martigan. So we're excited. It's going to be a party and, um, it'll be a lot of fun, um, to come out. So if you haven't, you have, you don't have plans on Friday, Saturday night or both, uh, it's going to be beautiful weather and it's going to be a, a great evening down in Egan. You mentioned Frisbee dogs a couple of times. Does it, does it bother you and other players when people kind of like don't quite get what you guys do and then maybe they watch and they're like, Oh wait, no, this is actually like really, this is actually really competitive, really athletic. Yeah. It's, it's taken some time. I think we're past the Frisbee dog thing, which Good. is kind I of funny so. that we're, I would think so. I think that was maybe 10 years ago. Oh, is that the thing with the Frisbees or the dogs, like the Frisbee dog <laughs> stuff? Yeah, and, right. like, so now it's more of like, there's still the disc golf confusion, which is funny. Cause you know, we, we do cross brand promote with other disc sports and uh, you know, we're doing that this weekend again. So I think between locally, between our halftime performances with the Vikings and uh, general awareness and the windshield brand and name, I think that's improving, which is good. But uh you know, um, also just, the, I mean, there's a hundred high school teams competing in them in Minnesota, you know, the state tournament's massive. You got middle school leagues, uh, that are prominent now in Minnesota. So we have one of the biggest youth ultimate scenes in the country. And I think locally that confusion's going down, it's getting there, but every year it decreases. And, uh, yeah, so we're playing a little bit on that with our halftime show, Minnesota dis, uh, dis dog, uh, club is coming out, uh, which is pretty cool. We have a, um, they came out to our division championship game and they're coming out for the, this event. So, um, but yeah, that stereotype is, is decreasing every year. It's, uh, so. it's still yeah. working for progress, but, uh, the next generation of, of folks and millennials, I think are a little bit more familiar with it, just with, uh, intrinsically how, how much it's been around in the last couple of decades. So is there any data or any kind of anecdotal evidence that explains the growth? I mean, I think it's, I've played it before. I think it's fun. I think it's really cool. Is it, you know, the athleticism plus, you know, you take, take out the, you know, the, the head injury risk, things like that. I'm just trying to imagine like what, what is, what aside from just the sport is really awesome is fueling this growth in your mind. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a couple things. I mean, part of it is uh, the ease of entry. You know, all you need to play ultimate is uh, a couple cones to mark the end zones and a disc, right, and some cleats. So yeah. relative to hockey or 
uh, other sports football that require protection and pads and uh, all those things. I mean, ultimate is, is pretty easy to just pick up and go play at a park. So I think that's helping us grow the other aspect, which, which is unique at every level of the sport, except for pro, which we do have referees for pace and play um, with spectators in the, in the, in the crowd and everything, keeping things moving along. But at every other level of sport, uh, there's no referees. So it's self-officiated um, spirit of the game, the concept of calling your own fouls, and uh, sorting that out with your opponent um, has been a big focus for the sport that I think has grabbed a lot of interest, especially at the youth levels. Um, and in our sport, in the AUDL, at the pro level, uh, we have the integrity rule, which you'll see invoked pretty regularly, actually, sometimes multiple times a game where a player might overturn a referee's call on a foul or, you know, they hit someone on a throw and the ref didn't see it, right? And they'll say, hey, integrity, uh, they'll overrule it. So there's still aspects of that that we get in our sport that you're not going to see in a lot of others. And I think that's something that makes it pretty sticky and engaging for, especially as parents are thinking about sports they want their kids playing uh, growing up. I think that's helped. Um, but uh, yeah, the head injury stuff and, you know, there's still not, there's still some non-contact and, you know, joint knee, all sure. sorts of stuff, people diving around. But the head injury stuff is definitely one with soccer and uh, football. I think that has become more of a topic and there's been more issues with it. And I think that's one of the, the, the items that's been more beneficial. The frequency of those head injuries is definitely lower in ultimate. And, uh, um, you know, that might help us as we progress going forward with continued growth as that be- more information comes out about that, or that becomes increased focus. That's interesting. I didn't realize that there was the, I mean, the self-officiating piece of it, I can imagine like anytime you're just playing, pick up anything, it's kind of self-officiated, but to rise in those levels and to have those integrity rules that that's, that's pretty cool to me. That's interesting that that's that's a that's a facet of it. Is it just has that always been the culture, or has that evolved over time? Yeah, it has been since the sport was kind of uh, in the '60s, '70s was created. It was always the self officiation aspect. Players call their own fouls, and uh, um, and uh, you know, as the level of competition increases, there is like they do have observers involved in a lot of games. That if there's a dispute that can't be resolved between players, they'll go to an observer, but. It's not active refereeing. So in out calls, there might be some active calls with that. Players sometimes aren't very equipped to properly answer that, even if they want honest were as honest Abe trying to do it. Uh, it's tough, right? A defender and offender going for a disc out the back of the end zone. Did they get the toe down? You know, sometimes it's tough. So that's evolved a little bit. And um, but yeah, you know, you still see it's it's a challenge. You got competitors out there. So as the stakes increase and grow, it's gonna be harder and harder to retain the the true spirit of the game aspect of originally of once it was because people are carrying more and more and there's more in the line. Um, so with truth, with sport in general, it's been a, a topic of conversation at those levels, but there's still very clear aspects of it. You see in the pro level, just from how players were raised and playing. And hopefully we retain that. Cause I think that's good, uh, a good thing to have and does make us a little bit unique. Um, well, just some other, um, you know, professional sports. So um, yeah, it's, it's been uh, the foundation of the sport. It's definitely one of the uniquenesses of ultimate. Very cool. Well, Ben Feldman, appreciate everything here. Good luck to the wind chill this weekend. Good luck to the whole event out at TCO Stadium in Egan. Um, great chatting with you today. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you talk to you down the line sometime. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Whether or not you are a Ultimate Disc enthusiast or if you maybe know nothing about it, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ben Feldman. And uh, consider th- consider checking this out this weekend. Sounds like a pretty cool event. Should be a lot of energy out there. And you know what? There's a Minnesota team with a chance to win a championship. So that's always fun as well. So I hope you can maybe find space in your weekend. Looks like it's going to be some nice days, some nice nights on Friday and Saturday. Get out to TCO Performance uh, Stadium out there in Egan and check out the American Ultimate Disc League Championship Weekend. 
Let's finish quickly with the cooler. The Lynx and Dallas played a rather contentious game a couple of nights ago. Some ejections, some fan behavior stuff. Um, if you watched that game or, or heard about it and uh, were curious about it, uh, well, you should probably watch Thursday as well. The Lynx and Dallas in a rematch just a couple of nights later. We'll see if the bad blood, if the tension spills over. Probably not a lot of these times where you look at this and say, hey, these two teams play again. What's going to happen? Nothing really happens aside from a game. But I'm curious about it. I'll be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be paying more attention to Thursday's game with the Lynx and Dallas than I might otherwise. And uh, we'll see if the bad blood spills over into this one as well. Big game for both teams in the playoff race. Both teams in playoff position right now, but trying to secure better spots in the WNBA playoffs. And that'll do it for me. And speaking of playoffs, um, Minnesota United manager Adrian Heath will be my guest on Friday's show. That team trying to make a push towards the postseason, trying to make it for the fifth consecutive season. Um, he'll join me to talk about the year, about um, challenges, about all sorts of stuff ahead for the Loons. So hope you enjoy that and get ready for that on Friday's show. Until then, I'm Michael Rand, back at it again tomorrow. Tomorrow.